Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Antonio Neves, and welcome to the Best Thing Podcast. I'm really excited for you because you're about to hear a fantastic episode with David Nurse. David Nurse is an MBA life optimization coach. This guy works directly with NBA players and NBA teams. And in this episode, we get to peel back and go behind the scenes of what it's like to work with these highly competitive, best of the best athletes in the world. I just know you're going to love this episode. And I also know you're loving the Best Thing podcast. So when you get a moment, please hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening Whenever you get a moment, maybe even right now, go write a review to the podcast so more people can hear about it. And last but not least, I just want to say thank you for listening to my voice right now and showing up every single week. You're helping the best thing grow by leaps and bounds, and more and more people are hearing it, not just in the United States, but also across the world. So thank you once again. And without further ado, let's get to the best thing with David Nurse. Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where we talk to thought leaders, creatives, authors, and entrepreneurs about how sometimes the best thing to happen to you is the most unexpected. Welcome your host, Antonio Neves. Hey everyone, welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where I talk to people about the best thing to happen to them that doesn't include the traditional markers of success. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm a speaker, author, and coach. And each week, I bring on a new guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. This week's guest is someone I've wanted to have on the podcast for quite some time, and I'm so glad we're making it happen. David Nurse is an MBA life and optimization coach, a motivational speaker who has delivered talks in over 51 countries. And this guy is author of the now released book, Pivot and Go, the 29-day mindset blueprint to redefine and achieve your success. A former professional basketball player, David has coached in the NBA and worked with over 100 NBA players with both their professional and personal development, both on and off the court. He's also host of the amazing 1% podcast that yours truly has been a guest on before. It's an excellent episode, I have to say. David Nurse, welcome to The Best Thing. Antonio, thank you very much. And now you are officially my agent. I read that beautiful intro. It's it's all the truth. So we're going to start this this podcast interview off with a very unique question. And this question is this. You work with NBA players. You've worked directly with NBA teams. Something I've always been curious about, man, is we know the starting five. We know those those folks that come off of the bench, those three or four players that come off of the bench. The person we very rarely talk about, whether it's the NBA or WNBA, is that 12th person on the bench who very rarely, if ever, gets in the game. I know some of us may, may make some assumptions like, oh, that person must not be too good. They, they never get in the game. They're, they're the 12th player on the roster. Just talk to me about how good that 12th player is, even though he or she never gets in the game. That is such a good question. And the answer to that point and simple is that 12th player is amazing. Like you've got to think that 12th player in the NBA was the star of their high school, 
like probably the star of their whole state in high school, was a stud on their college team, probably nationally known to as well in college because these NBA players are coming from Europe, Australia, everywhere. So to be the 12th man, to make an NBA roster is incredibly difficult to do, incredibly difficult to do. Now, that being said, like these guys, they, they put in a ton of work and they the, the ones that, that make it, like actually get their break, understand that, hey, I'm going to have to go through this because going from being a star to a, like not even playing, that's really hard to do mentally. And the guys who feel bad for themselves and who kind of just give in to that and it's like, I'm only the 12th man, I'm never going to get to play. They're not prepared for the opportunity. But the guys who treat that 12th man role, and I have a book, a chapter in my book called Wave Your Towel. It's a direct story of a, a friend of mine, Aaron Baines. I actually played with him in Greece. And then I was done playing because I was, can't dunk a basketball. I'm unathletic. So, you know, and then he <laughs> played for the San Antonio Spurs. Now, as the 12th man, and he told me, he's like, David, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the best towel waver in the NBA. Like he was just embracing being a towel, being the best teammate he could possibly be. And he, and he um, of course, he was working. Like he was a workhorse. He had to be there before the vets. He had to stay after the vets. He had to put in all this type, uh, type of extra work. And when the games came, he just waved his towel like crazy, just waiting for his turn, knowing he was prepared for the opportunity. He got it. He succeeded. He won a championship with the Spurs, got a big deal with Detroit, with Boston, with Phoenix. He's made over $100 million in the NBA. But the mindset that he had going in there is not the woe is me 12th man. It's, hey, I'm going to turn this to something great. And I could go on and on about stories like Jeremy Lin's preparing for opportunity. But to answer your question in short, they put in a ton of work. That, that's amazing to hear. And, you know, I think we forget that that 12th person that you may not know their name, they put in so much work, even though they never get in the game very rarely. And just a reminder, even you sharing the name Aaron Baines, which which vaguely sounds familiar, but to hear about this person that has earned over $100 million in revenue, yet I don't know their name um, on a national level is wild. Uh, this is something I want to follow up on that ego. Uh, you mentioned typically if you find your way to the NBA, like you mentioned, you probably were the best high school player. Uh, one of the best players in your state, one of the best on your collegiate team, et cetera. And then you find your way to the NBA when you're in this small group of individuals that are the best of the best. What does it take from an ego perspective to realize or to shift your game to realize that I'm no longer, quote unquote, the man, or I'm no longer, quote unquote, the woman like I was, that go-to person they're going to give the ball to uh, when the game is on the line. Um, talk about that shift people have to make. Yeah, and ego is an interesting term. It gets a bad connotation, of course, but I actually encourage having an ego. You have to have an ego to some extent because ego goes up right alongside with confidence. And for these players, if, if they shed their ego, then they're not the confident person that they were in college. Now, I'm not saying ego in a way is like, hey, everything is for me and it's all for me. No, not in that sense. I'm saying ego is in the, the confidence but in true self-awareness confidence. So keeping your ego in your confidence, but shedding it in the fact of you're there to, to serve these veterans, these guys that have gone through it. And if you embrace that, if these players embrace that, they will succeed. But if they don't, and if they keep their ego that they've had, and it's, it's really, really tough to shed, then it's going to be a tough go. 
Yeah, the word that comes up, maybe ego is the wrong word, but maybe uh, humility. You have to have some type of yeah. humility. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm keep talking. I'm just these are personal questions. I'm curious about. So I love to hear your take with people you work with day in and day out. And again, you've you've been worked directly with NBA teams. So I've read some stories, man, about some NBA players, and these are some cats that you hear about these exceptional ones that actually end up getting offered better deals to play abroad in places like China or other leagues in Europe, um, dollars and cents wise, they get better deals. But I've seen some players actually still decide to forego that better deal to stay in the States and play in the NBA. Can you talk about why, why, why someone would make that decision? Is, is it just not about the, the dollars and cents? It's just about, I mean, the NBA is the ultimate of ultimate. Sure, these guys can go over and make a little bit more money, maybe in the non-taxed European or over in China, but you're not playing against the best competition. Good competition, but not the best. And these guys that really want it, and there is there is a difference, though. I mean, there's some players that are just based on their talent alone and want to live the lifestyle and don't really love and embrace the competition. But for the most part, they love competition. Antonio, out here in L.A. in the offseason, at UCLA in this, like, old – rustic gym that you didn't even look like a basketball gym every summer the top nba players come out there and they play pickup against each other like nothing on the line and they're more competitive games than i've ever seen like even more in the playoffs there's james harden russell westbrook lebron james kevin durant and they are going at each other not because there's no money involved and there's probably like two billion dollars on the floor at a time but it's just the the competitive nature that drives these guys to get where they are they want to continue to play against the best. Yeah, I love to hear you say they love competition. As you and I are recording this, the NBA is getting ready to play again. And I saw something that LeBron James posted. Uh, he wrote in a post. He said something to the extent of, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, you know, it, it's just a scrimmage, but not to me. <laughs> For some people, it's just a scrimmage, but not to me, showing how much this dude takes it serious and, and what's to uh, wants to win. You mentioned we're going to get to this question of the best thing here in just a moment. I just this is just so much fun to ask you these questions because you've been so intimate and so close with these players in this league. You talked about the lifestyle. And of course, I mean, if you find your way to an NBA roster, you've been there for a few years, you're earning a, a good income. You're, you're being very well taken care of, especially if you're living in a place maybe that's not as expensive as a Los Angeles or a, a New York City. But something tells me, even though the lifestyle, and I think a lot of people, we assume, David, that being in the NBA is always glamorous. My hunch tells me, is it true that you'd be surprised that it's not as glamorous as you think? I think about my time working in the television industry. I think about my time working in local news. And yeah, you see me on camera. You see these people on camera. And that looks all sexy and fun and glamorous. But then behind the camera, nothing, nothing about that's glamorous at all so is it illusion or no bro it is glamorous 24 7 so i think it goes two ways to be honest with you it is very glamorous and luxurious in the sense that every plane is chartered like when i was a shooting coach of the brooklyn nets like they parked my car they put a jacket on me when it was cold walked me to a private plane i got my whole row to myself got like a plate of sea bass and roasted vegetables on the airplane and then went to like a ritz carlton a five-star hotel where it was so complicated, like so high level, I didn't even know how to turn on the TV. So in that sense, there's there's a lot of glamour to it, but also behind the scenes, there's a lot of uh, there's a there's a lot of grind. There's a lot of grind, especially if it's let's let's just say not even players in the NBA, but people working in the NBA 
like they're they're working hours, ridiculous hours in the film room and and I mean just studying, crunching down tape. But for players, if you're if you're one of the guys playing, it's a glamorous lifestyle. If you are <laughs> playing, if you're not one of those guys, it can be really tough because I mean, yes, you're in the NBA and everybody's probably listening to like, oh, what do they have to complain about? They're in the NBA. But that's the expectation. When you're doing something, you expect to be great at it. And that's, I mean, that can be the the non-glamorous struggle for guys. Yeah, you say glamorous and luxurious. I think my next podcast is going to be called Glamorous and Luxurious with Antonio Neves. That would be a pretty <laughs> amazing listen. Uh, I'd be remiss not to briefly talk about this amazing book of yours that just came out, Pivot and Go, the 29-Day Mindset Blueprint to Redefine and Achieve Your Success. Someone may hear 29 days, but I I heard it takes 68, 60, whatever days to create a habit and all of that. Tell me what you wanted to accomplish in this book, Pivot and Go. Yeah, so Pivot and Go is about making what I call mindset pivots, which are just small turns in your perspective, Just, just little shifts and pivots. Like, Change is very daunting for people. And if you tell someone they got to change completely, like it's it's not going to happen. But if you take small pivots day after day, 1% steps, you will eventually get there. You will be able to live the life you always have wanted to. And it's like people will say, oh, that's for somebody else. But no, if you implement these these habits, and I chose 29 days because, yeah, some people will say 60, but like that's way too long. I can create a habit and way less than that. And a lot, of, a lot of people say it's 28 days is the day scientifically where it, it clicks in your in your mind. It's a habit. And habits, routines, awesome, love it. But we want to make it a lifestyle. So on day 29, it's your choice to make all these habits that you've implemented a lifestyle. That's why I, I, I like to redefine terms. Like I redefine what success is, redefine what confidence is, redefine what joy is, even, even redefine like what it means to to, to live a, a rich life and and uh, change changes in perspective that that you can make into a, a lifestyle and then in the book it's based on those twenty nine days I give you action steps tools because I love I love the why like the stories are cool the stories are great with NBA players and and high level people but give me some how I need some actionable tools to make this happen don't just tell me how to do it show me how to do it. And this book is really proud of it because it, it does that. It can bring a change and it can bring a change and build a blueprint for how you can effectively live the life you've always wanted to live, which yeah, I like. It. Yeah. I like a few things you said there. One is make it a lifestyle. I think when we talk about even like food, we call it a diet or something like that. When of course yeah. it should be a lifestyle, the choices yeah. that you make. And even as you're talking about that 1%, I just started thinking about compound interest and how mm-hmm. that slowly builds and builds and builds that that snowball effect. And I love that everything, there's so many books out there that are, that are pretty amazing, but in my opinion, one thing they lack is being prescriptive. They're, they're not actionable enough. As you know, as a speaker, I, as a speaker, I can motivate someone easily. I can get you fired up to punch a brick wall. That that's that for me, that's not problem. The a problem, the problem is, are you going to remember anything I shared with you a month from now? three months from now, those actionable steps. So I'm so glad you wrote this book and we'll have a, a link to the book in the in the show notes. So thank you. But let's get to this question about the best thing. I love to talk to people about the best thing to, to happen to them. That's not one of those traditional markers of success, like getting married and having kids and uh, graduating from college or buying a home. 
but those things that may not appear on a resume, that may not come up in casual conversation, that have shaped and informed who we are in our in our lives. Sometimes those are good things. Sometimes those are bad things. So for, for David Nurse, this guy who's living this, what folks may perceive is that this, this amazing life working with NBA players, what, what's one of those things that has um, been the best thing for you? Such a great question. And no doubt, okay, let me set the story up for you. So I'm 27 years old and I get to coach with the Brooklyn Nets. I get to be the shooting coach for the Brooklyn Nets. And I get called in to help them develop their three-point shooting. They're 27th in the league at this point when I get called in. At the end of the season, we're second in the league. So that's a huge jump. And I'm getting the, the GM's telling me three-year deal. Like, we'll bring you. Like, we love what you do. The players loved it. And I'm like, I'm set. I'm in the NBA. This has been my dream. And my dream at first was to play in the NBA and realize I couldn't. And I pivoted to coaching in the NBA. And I made it. 27 years old. Like, my life was set. This is all I wanted to do, be in the NBA. And then they bring a new head coach in. And when that happens in sports, they usually bring their entire staff in. So here I'm thinking my life is set. And boom, in an instant, door is shut. Everything slammed in my face. And I'm just like, wow, okay. I, I'm miserable. Life, Life's over. But what I've gone to realize is that when one door closes, four open in a whole beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. That's a chapter in my book, one of my favorite sayings, because it's completely true. Like right now, I am living the life I've always wanted to live. I, I didn't even I didn't even know it completely was, but now I get to coach players individually where they come to me personally. I get to go speak all over the world, do basketball camps all over the world, wrote a book, have a podcast. And most of all, most importantly, I'm married to an amazing, amazing, beautiful wife who I would have never met if I was still in Brooklyn coaching basketball. And now I live on the beach in Marina Del Rey. Like it's not exactly the life I've wanted. No, yeah, you, I've met your wife. She's an amazing person. Uh, and, and I totally understand where you are right now. That door closes and something else opens. And I know for those listeners listening right now, my, my hunch is after you got fired, when you had that dream of working in the NBA and you had accomplished that, what did it take for you to rebound from that? Because I can only imagine what kind of place that puts you in mentally. Now, earlier I mentioned and talked about the humility that people need to have, the ego people need to have. And I know firsthand when I've been fired from jobs at television networks, man, that's kind of how I identified myself. I'm Antonio that works with NBC or BET Networks. That's how we, we identify ourselves by our careers. So you went from I'm David Nurse. I'll work with the Brooklyn Nets to I'm David Nurse. Talk about that adjustment and what, what you learned about yourself. Yeah, it was tough at first, but I learned that there's much more impact on people coming to you instead of you just being there. And I realized, hey, these players with the Nets, they like what I do. They like working with me. It's relational. We, we get along really well. Why don't I just do this for players on my own? So I started doing that and more players started coming and more players started coming. So it was an understanding that, hey, I have this gift. I have this talent. It doesn't have to be just with one team. It doesn't have to just be in one little spot. And as you know, like I, I love encouraging people. I love people being able to achieve their goals and their dreams. So I figured, hey, you know what? This is a blessing because I get to help more people than just basketball players. And in the grand scheme of life, that's way more important. Yeah. And were you able to do that immediately? Or did you have one of those cliche 
movies when you see some, somebody gets fired from that job in New York City where you were and you see them walking like at midnight by the East River while some sad song is playing while they're they're pondering your life. So were you able to immediately say, you know what, I'm going to coach people one on one? Or did you have one of those of those come to Jesus moments, if you will, where you're like, OK, I'm 27. What do I want to do now? Like during that, that reckoning, that reckoning, if you will. Yeah, it's funny you say that, too, is in the come to Jesus moment, because that, that my belief in Jesus is what what really drove me through knowing that, hey, my plan for me is not going to be the greatest plan that, that I, he actually has for me. And just understanding that it's it, it's going to work out like it's it's really tough. I mean, it, I know it's tough to say that to people that are going through it like, hey, it's going to work out. But it actually is like the things that I learned from coaching with the Nets and building up everything that I had done to get there wasn't a like, okay, it's over. Like all those skills that I had developed is over. You got to understand that when something like that happens, everything that's all your your failures or everything that you have built up and worked on, that that's used for something else. Like that was just a preparation for something far greater. And I talk a lot about preparing for the opportunity. Everything you do throughout the, your day is a preparation for an opportunity to come. Now it's your decision whether you take these so on so-called failures and see them as failures or just learning and helping you build for that opportunity to come. So it's tough in the moment, but having that perspective is, it, it is everything. Okay. So I'm curious, you leave the Brooklyn Nets, you're in the NBA. That's huge. You know, you're the shooting coach for them. You take them from being one of the lowest rated, rated three point shooting teams to one of the highest rated three point shooting teams. When you transition all of a sudden to just being your own employer, if you will, working for yourself, creating your own business, what was that like when you were pitching yourself to, to players beyond those players that just worked for the Nets when you had to, frankly, build that trust and say, hey, come work with me. Give me some time. Let me help you out on the court and off the court. How did you get people to buy in and say, yes, out of all the folks out there, we see these famous names of people and we see people posting these private NBA coaches posting videos on Instagram, et cetera, when they have options. Tell me why you think people are like, you know what? Yes, I have options, but I want to work with David Nurse. You know, I, I love that question. And the point that you say about Instagram trainers and stuff and posting videos and pictures, most of the time, those aren't the ones that are really good because it's the ones that are behind the scenes that aren't just putting themselves up on a pedestal, but are putting the players up on a pedestal. And basically it was through, I mean, it was through genuine relationship building. And I had built some relationships with players in the NBA on the nets. And then it was just like, and honestly, I mean, I've done more free workouts or free trainings. And can we push pause for a second? Cause I think you're hitting on something really, really important that I don't think a lot of people acknowledge, especially when they're branching off on their own. And I can speak personally, when I started doing leadership and development work, I can't tell you how many of my early clients, coaching clients early on, didn't write a check. I can't tell you how many workshops I delivered and talks I gave where a paycheck didn't show up. So can you talk about the willingness to yeah. do the work when the, when the paycheck doesn't immediately come? So the, I'm on the belief that the paycheck is never going to come immediately. But if you have something that you love, and I loved working with NBA players, and I knew that, hey, it's not going to come immediately, but if I keep doing this and I keep pouring into this and I keep improving, like I can use these these times as, as learning tools with these players and, and get better at my craft. Like it's going to come eventually, but if I'm stuck on the money, it'll never happen. Like one of my favorite sayings is it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. 
And a quick story for you. My uncle is the, the coach of the Raptors. He, he won the NBA championship last year in his first year as a head coach with the Raptors. And most people think like, hey, lightning in a bottle. Wow. What, how, how lucky was he? He's been coaching for 27 years and making like no money coaching over in England. And he's, he's basically popping popcorn at halftime and taping players' ankles, like putting in all this time without making much of a paycheck at all. And then 27 years later, he wins the NBA championship. In part that he lived in that, like another point is live in the moment of, of what you want to be. Like he created a picture of himself when he was 22 of him being an NBA champion coach holding up the trophy. And most people would say, hey, that's never going to happen. But then 27 years later, he's doing that exact same thing because he lived in that belief. He spoke it into existence. It looks like good things come out of the state of Iowa, where both of uh, you happened, you both of you happened to be from. You said something a moment ago that really stood out, and we're talking about how in this social media age, where you do see a lot of the trainers. I don't care if we're talking about personal trainers or if we're talking about trainers that work with players in professional sports. You see a lot of videos that they're putting out there, and it looks glamorous and sexy and all that. But you said something about put the players up on a pedestal. And I've always been a big fan of, of like, hey, if I shine my light on others, eventually it's going to reflect on me. And even if it doesn't, that's OK. So can you talk about your mentality being willing to not try to get the shine and put the, the light on those people you're working with? Yeah. And it's it's all about living in the service mentality, like you said, shining your light on others, because if you're going to. If it's going to be about you, you'll never reach the spot you want to. Maybe you'll get some success. Maybe see people will see it and like it, but then you'll want more and you'll, you'll never get there. And eventually you will burn out. If you're using other people for your own gain, you're going to burn out. And it's no fun that way. But if you're in the mentality of serving and giving and pouring and pouring into others, everything will come back into you in the end. You got to give, give, give without expecting anything in return. And trust me when you do. It'll all come back. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree with that. It's hard sometimes. I don't think people necessarily get it. But, oh, man, I just think back to my early days when I first moved to New York City with $800 in my bank account and how much I did just to support others. But you get on people's radar. You build your awareness. And people, like, you want to be associated with greatness, right? And I think that's what you are, obviously. about. I want to get back to that question, though, about you, man, about why players trust you because you're not just working with players on the court. Like, yes, you can help somebody improve their, their fitness. You can help somebody improve their jump shot and go on and on and on. But you're also play a critical role with these folks off the court and the game for these, for these men and women. And whether it's practice, that's only a small percentage of their life is the other stuff that's important. So again, what do you think it is about you that gives them that trust? Like he's my guy. Yeah. And I mean, it's 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 all of them and their improvement and them wanting to get better and wanting to come to me. But in simple answer, it's because I care. I care about them. I care about them as a human being and as a person. Most people see these guys as superheroes or not real life, but they have real world issue problems. And and I just deeply care genuinely about them. And then also is is I'm consistent. Like I'm, I'm consistent every day in who I am, bringing positivity, bringing energy, bringing joy, like being able to be kind of like just a, a shoulder for them to lean on. And no matter how high a level you are, successful you are, everybody needs that. And it's just, 
honestly, it's just genuine relationships, man. I got married last summer and seven of my players were in my wedding. We had like the best NBA starting lineup and two guys coming off the bench because it's genuine, caring relationships. Let's briefly talk about that. You said treat them regular, genuine. Uh, you know, over the course of my life, I've had the opportunity to work with professional athletes, Oscar and Grammy Award winners, former presidents, secretaries of state, you name it. Uh, sounds like I'm name dropping right now. I'm not. But what I've found um, is that it's not the moments when you're on camera with them or when you're on stage with them. I've always found it pretty fascinating backstage when the cameras aren't there, when the lights aren't there, that these folks, they actually respond better when you just treat them real, when you treat them like a human being, as opposed to how you see a lot of people treat them like super, super special, like they're wearing a crown. And I find they respond better to you just being real, not only being real, but also keeping it real, sometimes being willing to say things that no one else in their life is going to say because they don't want to lose that paycheck or want to lose that comfortable place. So my hunch is you actually build up a tr- build up a level of trust where they know that David Nurse is going to be honest with me. He's going to keep it real with me. That's a great point. <clears throat> Honesty is is extremely, extremely important. Like I'm not just going to be their yes man. And nor do they want just a yes, man. There's way too many people just telling telling these guys, like like you're giving the examples of just how good they are. Like, they don't want to hear that anymore. They uh, Give them something that's real and genuine. Don't just try to kiss their butt to get somewhere. And, and when you do, and when you realize, hey, every person on planet Earth is a person. And when you step into the room and realize that, it doesn't matter what they've done. They're a person. You're a person. Just Just be normal. Be real. It changes absolutely everything. Yeah. Well, hey, man, this this conversation for me has been a lot of fun because I feel like I've, I got to ask you a lot of questions that I've always wanted to ask someone that works with professional athletes and has seen kind of the inside behind the cupboards and how everything works. Um, for people that want to learn more about you, where should we send them to learn more about David Nurse? You send them to my website, davidnurse.com. Social media is David Nurse NBA, Instagram and Twitter. And you can go on Amazon or anywhere books live and get pivot and go if you want to change your life. If you want to improve your life, that's that's what you should probably do. Check out check out my podcast, the one percent podcast. Check out your episode on the one percent podcast, which was amazing. Or just come out here to L.A. and uh, we'll meet up at Air One. (laughs) There we go. Everything he just mentioned, I'll have in the show notes. Uh, David, I can't thank you enough uh, for being willing to make time to do this. I really appreciate how you show up. I appreciate in the short amount of time that we've known one another, how sincere you've been, how genuine, genuine you've been, and also how, how generous you've been as well. So I appreciate you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. Hey, and iron sharpens iron. We are the people we are around. And every time I'm around you, man, I just, I'm juiced up. I'm encouraged. So it's, it's right back to you, brother. Absolutely, man. Well, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Neves. Join us next week for more stories that'll help you see the world through a new lens. For more resources, go to theantonioneves.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.